Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good morning, video games. Welcome to Filthy Casuals, a podcast about video games. Hosted by three very kind and extremely knowledgeable boys. Thank you for joining us. My name is Tommy Dasilo, and with me once again, as always, it's Ben Vanell here. Tommy, it's great to be here at the end of a very long year. Ten years. At the beginning of a new decade. <laughs> oh, yes. It's 2020 currently. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy yeah. fucking New Year, everyone. Welcome to what we name. were describing before the show started as the Roaring Twenties. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, what's like a 20s thing to say? Ah, that Titanic thing is starting to become funny. <laughs> it's been long enough. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, that Hitler's never going to amount to anything. <laughs> who? <laughs> Don't know who you're talking about. Uh, he's the Chancellor of Germany, I believe. Is he? Yeah. Uh, is he? Yeah, it he, depends. If it's 1920. He just would have come off a successful campaign in World War One as a spy. Ah, love that Empire State Building. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for New Year's Eve, Adam? Uh... <laughs> I believe, <laughs> well, I think I was working early New Year's Day. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah. Well, you, cur- you currently are working early New Year's Day um, for some of our listeners, maybe? Uh, or maybe that was like four days ago. <laughs> I don't know what the date. I believe it is currently the 2nd of January. Oh, okay. Right. right. So you worked yesterday morning. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I threw up at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is how it would sound if we actually were recording two days after New Year. Like, yeah. we would be either completely out of it or... I got a party hat on. Yep. Oh, Not on my head, though. That's mm. why you can't see it. Right. You're still wearing those glasses that you have? 2007. The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could get 2020 glasses, but you just would have to have eyes that are spaced very far apart. Sure. To see or, through the zeros. They'd be lopsided glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the two would be to one side yeah. and then the, there'd be a thin two in the middle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thin two, a two that's significantly smaller than the two yeah. at the start. Yes. I'm it's acting to, as the bridge between the two. Exactly. Yeah. By yeah. the time people are listening to this, I'm willing to bet a number of people saw some yes. like 48 hours ago. Oh, yeah, yeah right. And they're, yeah. You know, they're like, why are they speculating wildly about what these glasses would look like? Yeah. When yes. we all saw dozens of them yeah. a mere two nights ago. It's crazy that it has been a decade. Yeah. That a decade that it is the now the twenties as yeah. of when as of when we're talking. Yes. We're streaming this live. Mm-hmm. Um and like yeah, so we're doing that this best games of the decade thing, mm. or like most significant stuff. Going back and looking up stuff for this and realizing how long ten years is. Yeah. Mm. It's a long time. <laughs> One of the largest groupings of years you have to deal with in your whole life. Sure. And there's a name for it. Decade. Decade. Yeah. It's long enough. <laughs> that must mean it's significant. Yeah. A week, pretty long. <laughs> sure. Two weeks, that's a fortnight. Yes. 
You're not talking again until you come to a month. <laughs> Wait until another fortnight has passed, then we'll think about another grouping. I prefer PUBG, and that'll come up later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, fuck, we've got a lot to talk about. A lot of mm. ground to cover. We're going to do some games, we're going to do some trends, and some you know some stories, some topics from the decade. This will be a two-parter. Mm. Mm. Two sets of five years. A half decade. Yeah. A baker's decade, <laughs> I believe they call it. Yeah, this is like our Seinfeld where they go to L.A., was that two parts? That was yeah. two parts, baby. Kramer, right. the smog strangler. Yeah. What did he get up to in LA? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's very... He pops up on Murphy Brown mm-hmm. in that episode, doesn't he? Oh, sure. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah good they thing. Saw him, the producer saw him at the Laugh Factory and we're like, we got to get that guy on the show. <laughs> Before we get into the games, let's do a retrospective of Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld through the decade of the 2010s. <laughs> yeah. What all the cast got up to. Yeah. Comedians and cars getting coffee. Bit of Curb. Curb. Yep. Mm. That's Kramer had Lane already done on. that thing, hey. What? Before... That was like 2006. Yeah. Oh, yes. When he was yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not Veep. Wow. Great show. Mm-hmm. Still got to get around to it. Oh, Cranston, the dentist. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was doing Breaking Bad. Yeah, Tim Watley. He went, yeah, he went off. Damn. That's actually, this is actually a good idea for a Patreon app. <laughs> yeah. the, 2010, the 2010s through the lens of Seinfeld. Fuck. What do you reckon the Seinfeld people will get up to in the 2020s? Oh, that's a follow-up episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's actually do that. Let's yeah. literally do that. Because um, also, like, guest stars, like, we could find out what, what did Terry Hatcher get up to? Yeah. Desperate Housewives would have been still on during yeah. the 2010s, I reckon. I reckon there would have been a season really? or two. Nah, because we... Nah. Because okay. Cougar Town was already happening. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, That's a reference we would... to an episode which I don't know when it's come out. Or no, we've complete. <laughs> we were pre-recording these so we can have like a little Christmas New Year's break, and uh, it is fucking with my concept of time. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. Well, do we want to talk a little bit about uh, what our criteria for this list was? Because we're saying yeah. games of the decade, but should we clarify what, like, how we came up with this list? Yeah, sure. Well, it's a combined list. Yep. of all three of us kind of weighted favorites. And things we think are significant or like represent a trend. Yeah, we tried not to double up too much on games that are like a similar genre unless they're particularly important. Yeah. Um, so like we don't have GTA five in the list. No. But we have a similar game We've by got a the same company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh our cousin was GTA four, damn it. Um but that we have a uh fifteen that we're gonna go through in over these two parts. And then like five things that cover trends mm. that these games either don't really represent or are just so significant that they're like the five big thing, defining things in video games terms of yeah. Yeah. the 2010s. Yeah. So like we're doing indie games as a topic and we get to talk about a bunch of indie games that didn't quite crack the games list. Yeah. So sort of, yeah. Jeez, in- Ben's throwing out some huge spoilers I in know. this introduction. <laughs> indie games will come up, everyone. You can delete this episode, I guess. Because now you oh, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it, right at the end of this part, too. Imagine if, like, when you were watching a TV show, it said, previously on this TV show, and then just showed you the ending of that episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the, what you just had. All the chapters list at the start of a book, but then it's just got little, like, oh, and he dies in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> just a book with an abstract. <laughs> At the start. All right. Well, should we get into it? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe like just very quickly, like what ages did we go through? I feel like ages is often a thing. Where did we start the 2010s at? Where were you in 2010? Hmm, Well, I'm 33 now. (laughs) How old was I 10 years ago? (laughs) 
Now, is there some sort of trick you could use to figure this out quickly? <laughs> is there like a maths trick? So you're 23. You were what, 21? 21, 22. 21, 22. Yeah. And I would have been like 20. Yeah. So this is a formative period of our lives. Mm. These are the games we're gonna that are going to flash past our eyes on our deathbeds. This is the period of our lives, I guess, when we had the funds and the access and the ability to just kind of buy whatever game we wanted. This or is when... Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Video game companies traditionally are absolutely pushing all their marketing money into our demographic that we were in yeah. during this decade right, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. We were 20-year-old males. That's it. That that is the fucking sweet spot. Yeah. For me. I mean everything was marketed to us in that decade. Yeah. Like so what is it? What's that demo? Eighteen to thirty four? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so th- this is probably going to be the peak of our video game lives. Well, you right. know what? But for me, I spend the start of this decade. I'm out. Sure. I'm, right. I, like it takes me. I think the start. I guess I'm. I, around this point, I'm in a relationship with someone who's like very judgmental about video game right. and a bit of a bummer mm. and to the point where I feel like, oh, I guess I should probably just avoid right. doing this because I feel very like shamed by this. Right. So, and also like, yeah, funds being an issue. So yeah, probably the first five to six years. Wow. Of the decade, I don't really play much. And then you had a Wii U for the next two. Exactly. (laughs) You're coming in towards the back end of this decade. I play the Uncharted games. I get some stuff on the Wii. I get like the Mario... Oh, but that's even... No, but that's pre... That's kind of pre the decade, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I play Uncharted 3 and then I get a Wii U. All right. And that's kind of it for a little while. Tommy's not going to be on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I certainly didn't start the decade with... Any money. Mm. I was a you know a uni student, but I had a PC and I had the capability to pirate games. That's right. basically what sure. I was doing. <laughs> like me and my dad were both gamers. Neither of us really had the you know the income or the disposable income to just buy a bunch of games. Right. So we're like, well, how do we get how do we get these games? Maybe we'd get like Battlefield 1940, 1942 on a sale, and we'd share it and we play you know land stuff or yeah, I was doing a lot of pirating pc games damn but what's that what's that law where after a certain time you can't be tried for the crime statute statute of limitations limitations. well so get out of here fbi (laughs) Uh, or whatever in direct contrast though to the second half of the decade where i've bought every game that's come out every week i have every console yeah and my life is (laughs) revolves around (laughs) buying video games it's dope (laughs) yeah it's great yeah it rules Uh, you couldn't you know people get wistful they're like oh i miss being in my 20s like you couldn't pay me any amount of money to be 23 again you could pay me a hundred million (laughs) dollars because then i'd be able to afford all those games and i'd be 23 you don't get it the money until you're in the 30s. Hmm, that's a good point. It goes into a trust fund, and that yeah, you have yeah, to wait another Yeah, fine. Sign me years. up. Guess mm. what? I'm 23 again. Yeah, I get to be able to fucking run. I get to have oh. erections. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had erections. <laughs> yeah. So we've got. We, there's no particular order for these. They're just our 15 sort of top of the tops. Yes. Yep. They're all hanging around the same sort of level. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Yeah, for various want- reasons. And we'll, we'll go into those reasons. I guess let's... And yeah. just quickly, let's say we've not included really anything from 2019 because we yes. just did our game of the year and it felt weird to just then do a big wrap of the decade where you're talking about something that came out a couple of months ago. Totally. Sure. So we, we've talked about all of those games every week for the past year. Yeah. And, and even more specifically, we talked about the best ones 
yeah. very recently. Yeah. I mean, we were talking off air about how Fire Emblem would probably be in the list for you and I, Ben. Yes. But, it, yeah, we've talked about it heaps. Yeah. There's Emblem. one from last year that I've sort of sneakily snuck into this list. <laughs> right. I sneakily snuck it. How did you? Okay. <laughs> you, well, it'll be next week. In the next week's part. <laughs> <Okay>. But um, <laughs> but me and Ben only have to wait a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> you at home have to wait <laughs> seven whole days. We only have to wait three to four hours until <laughs> this part is over. <laughs> so... Yeah, what do you reckon? Let's get fucking. Well, let's kick yeah. it off. I mean, th- what's interesting, what's exciting about doing this is like, well, we've been doing the show for, what, four? Four, four bit, years? Bit over four bit years. Over four this years. will be the fifth year, 2020. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So because we're talking about stuff from this full decade, it's an opportunity to go back in uh, further back than, you know, talk about stuff that has come out long before the podcast started and yeah. stuff that yes. we yes. haven't really covered on the show at all. Totally. there are so some games, especially the good ones, that we talked about for multiple weeks yeah. Yeah, consecutively. Yeah, yeah. We actually got complaints about that yeah. from sure. some people. Yeah. And then they come up again and again, you know, so it's good to get move away from that and talk about other games. Yeah. yeah. So the first game on our list of the best of the decade, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I've been dying to talk about this game for years. I know. I, I, it's been such a frustrating thing to want to bring it up every week, yep. yeah. but never really getting the opportunity. Mm. Well, it's so unique and like brilliantly idiosyncratically designed that mm. it doesn't relate to anything else. No. So you're never yes. in a conversation that it sort of circles around that you can be like, you know what, this reminds Weirdly me Weirdly not influential either. So <laughs> it has even, not come up again. Even though it came out in 2010, <laughs> hasn't inspired anything else in decades. <laughs> yeah, Zelda Breath of the Wild is probably the best game of the last decade. Uh, yeah, and I think we've talked about it having possibly the claim to being the best game of all time. It's, it's one the of the few you can chuck in there. Yep. Uh, it's so fucking good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go through and listen to one of the 18 podcasts we did about it if you want to hear expanded thoughts, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe we should actually put some show notes with like a link to, sure. <laughs> to the review. Maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe let's quickly track through like the the vague history of it because mm. it mm. felt like it was it was on the boil for a long time. Yes. Zelda had a weird decade too because Skyward Sword came out towards the start of it on the Wii U. That was like 2010, 2011. Yeah, you're And that right. was fucking terrible. That was mm. the one that was on the Wii as well, right? Uh, yeah, no. sorry, on the Wii. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, on the Wii, yeah. So it's probably not. It's probably... I Just think it was like decade. 2010. Okay. I think it. W- I think it sneaks in, uh, but it fucking sucks. So who cares about talking about it on this <laughs> episode? But it. Well, it is part of the conversation because I think it. It the response to it does directly influence the direction that they decide to go in. Completely. The wild. Yeah, it yeah. felt like a huge stagnation of that formula. Yep. It felt like the ideas had run out. It mm. felt like this motiony direction that Nintendo because Nintendo itself yeah. had such a weird fucking decade yes. mm. that they had moved away from these traditional sort of games mm. they moved away from all this stuff that they created but at the same time those templates they created particularly the Zelda one were getting tired yep. and Mario was in like a I guess they'd had the Galaxy games they were great they had the yep. Galaxy games and they continued making the 2D ones and then they did those all of those like Mario coat of paint over sports games yep. mm. and all that stuff as well. So then A Link Between Worlds came out in 2013. 
on the 3DS, and that right. was fucking good. Great game. Right. Uh, and it was like, oh, maybe they should just go back to the 2D Zeldas or something. Yep. And then they started showing off Breath of the Wild, originally intended for the Wii U. Yes. Mm. And in it, like 2014, maybe, something like that. Right. Yeah, they, they did. Earlier. What did they do? They had a couple in a row that they had like a cutscene that they showed off that was mm. like uh, Link riding a horse and. One of the uh, guardians chasing him through the forest, yeah. shooting and, uh, at him. I remember there was. I remember because he's. It's partly obscured uh, Link and there was like a lot of talk about people thinking it was a female Link. Or like maybe oh, you got right. to choose was a talk yeah. what the gender right. of your Link was. And Nintendo hasn't progressed that much during the decade, but the yeah, that it was kind of, uh, that was all there really was about it for a long time. Mm. And then at a couple of E3s, they showed off like, it's going to be an open world game now. And you can use the fucking dumb Wii U gamepad to aim your bow. That's right. Yep. And yeah. it looked... Um, a little bear, right, or something like that. I, I was my impression of it at the time. And it looked. When were these demos sort of happening? Like fifteen, sixteen, fourteen, fifteen ish, sixteen. I think it was ages until they showed off a demo. I remember there was mm. that, there was that like cutscene, and then there was like the trailer that yeah. actually, yeah, that showed off like. I, I kind of wild areas, like, uh, yeah, environments, animals, and then it had... Miyamoto a of- and Enuma did something at one of the... When Nintendo, I think, was still at E3. Yep. So maybe even... Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, maybe even Iwata was still... I can't remember, but mm. there was something where they were in a, with a bunch of trees and they were aiming the bow at one of the orcs or whatever they're called in that, moblins. Bokoblins? Bokoblins, uh, untied. And that, yeah, it, it looked... Yeah, and especially off the back of Skyward Sword, yeah, the and with how the Wii U had been going for the couple of years that had been, right. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They, I remember there was that trailer where that the the reveal at the end of it was what it was what it was called, right? Like it got to the end and it was like text came up, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Sure, that was the first time they, I from memory, the first time they announced the title, which mm. I think and is honestly the first time I became aware of it at all. Right, I was not tapped into what Nintendo were doing. You'd I never played a Zelda game, I don't think. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I think Breath of the Wild, I remember hearing that during that reveal and being like, okay, I, yeah. I, maybe I'm interested in this. Because there was that I don't know why, but I think just whatever that evoked, I was like, okay. Yeah. It it's such a good title because it really yeah. does to give you that like kind of majestic beauty kind of thing yeah. that is what that game is trying to do yes. through yes. and through. And yeah. the, the freedom and the yeah, yes. adventurousness and all of that. Yeah. Because that trailer, like, it looked very... Like, I loved the visual style and it looked really interesting with what they were doing with that. But it was very hard to grasp, like, well, okay, cool, there's this big world that's, like, quote-unquote open world. Mm. But what are you... Because I remember they said at one point it was open world and mm. then I think it was maybe Miyamoto who tried to, like, walk back from that. He was like, yeah. no, not a really open world. Right. Like, I think he got a bit freaked about what people were taking that to mean. And of it's course, not then people Grand Theft run... Auto, okay? Exactly, like it's, yeah. yeah. People and I think... run rampant with speculation about like, oh, you'll be able to do this and this and this and this, and it probably builds up a, maybe an unfair expectation. Right. right. And I think in the other direction as well, I, I, I remember personally thinking, I think a lot of people thought this, they were like, oh, is it just like how Twilight Princess had a pretty big overworldy kind of area? Right. But it was not really that much to do in it. Yeah, right. Is it, is it just going to be like a big field in the middle of some dungeons? Yeah, right. But so then it it kind of evolved as you know speculation about the NX at the time happened. Yep. It became clear Nintendo were going to abandon the Wii U and move on. 
and then they abandoned Breath of the Wild being primarily a Wii U game and moved it over to the Switch. Yeah. The Switch got announced and released in pretty quick yeah. Um, yeah. succession. Yeah. And because it got pushed back, Breath of the Wild, over the course of about two or three years. It was meant to come out in 2016 and then I think they deliberately pushed it back to be a Switch launch game. Yeah, yes. So I think it would have been out sort of mid to late 2016. Yeah. And at some point they were like, I think that E3 of 2016, they only showed that game. Yeah. And didn't really say that it was going to be on... I, I think they were right. like, it might be on the NX with blah, blah, blah. So... But it's weird because Zelda games traditionally have an element in them that is like you have an item or, or whatever it is that is that kind of mirrors the hardware that the game is on. Right. And so it's weird playing uh, Breath of the Wild because he's got the Sheikah slate, mm-hmm. which is quite clearly mirrored a mirror of the Wii U gamepad. Right. Like yeah, it's got this weird yeah. relic of how you can see and the fact that it is big open world, being able to have like the map in front of you mm. for the whole thing would have been so... Ha- like clearly they were like developing it with that in mind. It makes the menu stuff make a little more sense with like, you know, they edited it for the Switch yeah. to be like, oh, change these powers and do that. But if you could have quickly equipped stuff and whatever using the gamepad and cooked it. Right, like, sort of yeah, thing. yeah, the powers specifically, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then like it got... I can't... I still can't quite believe that we played a demo. Yeah. And we're like, ah, I'm not sure about this game. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's obviously it turns out to be incredible. It <laughs> is one of the best games of all time and yep. probably the best game of the 2010s. Mm. Yeah. A revolutionary way of doing an old hat thing. We'll mm. be talking about open world a lot. I, 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 get, I, I remember reading descriptions, reviews by people who played the game mm. who said that, who said it revolutionises open world action games. My favourite genre of the decade. Right. And me being like... Psh, what do you, what can that mean? Oh, they dumb it down a bit for right. Nintendo? Okay, sure. And then buying it day one and being like, oh, I'm an idiot for ever doubting <laughs> right, this game. Right. They, they had, that, but that genre had stagnated by that point in the yeah. decade. It, had be, it was probably the most uh, drawn from well mm-hmm. during that decade. And uh, they really did find, in ways that we've talked about often, ways to make it new and yeah. make it fresh and make yeah. it exciting and different and it's such a well put together game every single part of it is super well done yeah apart from maybe maybe the combat maybe like the weapon degradation stuff maybe the the, the mm, yeah. simplicity of the combat is like the slightest blemish on it but I don't think it's Executed poorly, it's like that's a uh, your opinion on the decision they made. Yes, mm. yeah. yeah. I don't mind that. I know the degradation of the weapons was very, um, very controversial. Some people absolutely hate it. I don't mm. mind it. I think it adds to it. Like it's very nice, like realistic touch. Like yeah, mm. this weapon blows up, and you have to go and find a new one. And it gives you an excuse to use everything too. Yeah. It yeah, really yeah, it yeah. forces you to to change it up, which is a problem that lots of games have. Of like, oh, I've got the assault rifle, and now this is an assault rifle game. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. only complaint, we've talked about this before, is it's like for having this like huge vast world that is meant to you know that you go through different environments and climates. The fact that there are three different types of creature oh, <laughs> in yeah. terms right. of enemies. Yeah. Yes. That's really the only thing yeah. that I would have liked to see more variety of like creatures and enemies across the world. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, that, criticism. That's, that's just a bizarre decision. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it is the, the most fun, such a huge game. It is the most sucked into a game I got. Yep. All of that 
entire decade, I right. think. Those two weeks where it was just out and I knew so... Well, we all did so many people playing it all mm. at the same time. And the fact that you come out of that... I mean, that's the thing. Like, that plateau area that we played in the demo that we all walked away. And I vividly remember the three of us all played it separately but at the same time. Yeah. The timed thing. And then we all walk out and we're like... <sighs> And then you come to realise, like, well, that's just what that... Air, like, yeah. it's a weird area of it to show off because it's not yeah. indicative of the game at all. But hang gliding off that plateau mm. and then just seeing everything in front of you and just going like, oh, I can just go in whatever direction. All right, I'll push up here. Yeah. Having those, like, couple of weeks where, you know, you're talking with people who are playing it. Everyone's gone off in a different direction. Everyone's having completely different experiences and finding different things at different times. Mm. Like, it being out kind of at the tail end of summer here... I just remember sitting up late, like hot night, windows open, just cracking a cold bottle of San Pellegrino and just getting <laughs> stuck in for hours. Like, yeah, it just just a great, just such a great experience. Because yeah. it, it had that moment to moment like excitement, but then when you stack those moments into the fucking dozens of hours that you spend with mm. that game, that's what made it into something special where it just kept that pace for such a long time yeah. of that of exploration and discovery well that, yeah. that was it. it it they brought like mystery and intrigue and they incentivized exploration mm. in a really natural way not it wasn't a a map with a bunch of collectathon points scattered across it it was like this is what it would be like if you just went out into a brand new world. Yeah. yeah. And they just nailed that. Look beautiful, sounds beautiful. Yeah. Finding all the towers was maybe my favourite oh. thing of any game in a long time. I kind of want to start a new save file and just do that again. Yeah. Just like activate all the towers. Because sure. that was just getting one, having a good vantage point, being able to see off in the distance where the next one was and just be like, all right, yeah. off I go. So a game that could also have the subtitle Breath of the Wild, uh, The Witcher 3. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Yeah. So <laughs> two wild games right up top. Two absolute wild ones. <laughs> the Witcher 3. Fuck, I loved the way that game sounded. Just up yes. the top. That's my first thought because I reckon under this we'll have edited a little bit of that. Yes. Kind of like fucking combat music. Yep. Damn, that game's cool. Yeah, The Witcher 3. Yeah. Uh, I A game that I struggled to get into. Sure. The first time I played it. It was it. It has, I think, genuinely uh, weird combat. Like uh, as contrasted with Breath of the Wild, I think The Witcher Three is just like not perfectly tuned. Especially when you crank up the difficulty, you're really needing to use those potions. Yes. You're needing to use all the fucking oils for your sword. Yep. Which is really satisfying once you kind of get into that system. Uh, it kind of has like that rock paper scissorsy type of thing of yeah. like the different types of monsters will have a different ability that you have that works very well against them. Yeah. And figuring that out the first time you fight them and, and trying to figure out the best way to... There's there's a way to quickly take down most monsters. Right. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's a little combat puzzle. That was always very fun. And uh, as opposed to Breath of the Wild, I had a ridiculous variety of enemies and people and things and places. Mm. Everything looked different, um, but was united by this overall sort of aesthetic. Well-written, yeah. good characters... Good um, performances. Yeah, good performances. Completely fully voiced. Yeah. And all of them interesting. And like I would actually sit there and listen to them saying the things rather yeah. than thumbing through the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, 
another open world game and a little bit more of a traditional one, I guess, than, yep. than Breath of the Wild, but probably the best executed open world game of when if you think of that as like a genre or whatever right out of the whole thing because yeah it looked amazing it was enormous mm. and like had variety through it but i think the way that it just pulled off that kind of setting of medieval fantasy type of thing with like the wind blowing through the trees yeah yep. the the view from the top of an icy cliff yeah. looking down onto some shitty town yep. with people going like ah, I'm a peasant <laughs> down there i mean uh, we've talked about it before but like just the thing of walking through a village in the witcher 3 mm. not a particularly important one you know a pretty small one but everything you walk past has life to it there's a yeah. chicken mm. running across the road there's a, like a little why of- why was it doing that? <laughs> well, I mean, this might sound obvious to you. Okay. Uh, just get, get well, because I'm assuming <laughs> that when when you give me the answer, it's going to be some sort of joke. Oh, okay. You've uh, you've set up. You made a ridiculous setup. A yeah. chicken crossing a road. Yeah, Surely right. there's a joke yeah, why coming. Would, why would it? Do why that? would it do that? Surely there's some sort of ridiculous <laughs> joke coming. Just to get, <laughs> get to the other side. That's much simpler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's very funny. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yes. Well, you've absolutely made me look the fool. <laughs> but yeah. And it's like you uh, you walk past a building, someone knock knocks on a door, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, g- genuine, like every inch of every town had personality, life, detail depth to it yeah it was all it all sounded great it all looked great uh yeah i don't know if for me it's definitely the best open world game of the decade or my favorite but sure. but i think there's a there's there's a legitimate claim to it maybe being the best executed for sure i i think it is for me just because the writing and the quality of the the side quests and the reasons you were doing them was high the whole time. Right. Even if some idiot's asking you to get their frying pan or whatever, mm, which I mm. think was one of the quests in there, mm. you walk into a house and there's some weird ghost or some shit in there. Yes. There's always some cool fantasy thing, but then it's like, you know, the the sort of um, Game of Thrones-ish type of thing where it made it real world. So if there actually were goblins, yes, they'd be scummy little idiots. You and they're sure. just like, hey, what's going on? Get out of my I don't remember if they were goblins or if they did that, but it's that sort of thing. <laughs> right, right, yes. Goblin uh, voice, same as the peasant voice. Yeah, well, that's a that's a class issue. But uh, <laughs> it kept it fresh. And, if, and sometimes it was a goblin stealing your frying pan. Sometimes yep. it was a goblin murdering someone's child. Right. And both of those were executed in equally interesting ways. That whole Red Baron quest that you yeah. do where you have to get that World War One fighter <laughs> plane down. Yeah, Snoopy's bloody Baron. Around. Bloody Baron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, like, it's this kind of fucked up story about, yeah. like, a dead kid of his and all this shit. And, like, beca- I think because Geralt is such a, like, unfazed by anything, mm. it makes this bizarre world anchored because he's just like, yep, that's a whatever those things were called. They exist. Oh, well. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess by now we'll have seen the Netflix series as well. Oh, Who knows yeah. if that'll be any is good. Yeah. It is out at the end of December, which really? has already passed. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so so engrossing as well. And, and just it, it 
was a little difficult to get into, mm. but I think it earns your trust that everything will be interesting in it right. at some point because you, you get through enough and it seems like this big um, task almost. And it does have that open worldy stuff of like, oh, I'm riding my horse all the way here. Mm. But the more and more that you sink into <laughs> it, you know that there's going to be something interesting to see coming up. Sure. And you start to enjoy that little journey because you realize how well uh, realized this world is with all these wolves roaming around mm. and, and there's like a little story over here. And if you do go on that sort of, you know, just riding a horse through the forest thing, it'll be so beautifully done yes. that it will be enjoyable. The, the second time that I played it and I really got into it, I spent a lot of time, as I did in similar games, just sort of like riding up a hill at sunset yeah, <laughs> and stopping and turning the camera around and being like, this is incredible. Yeah, get a load of this foley work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's serious. Like, really? Yes. The, the fucking crunch of the gravel underneath your foot is well done. Every part of that game is really well put together. Yeah. And so um, unique whilst still being in this pretty overused setting. Well, I think the fact that it's sort of more of like a gothic fantasy in a way helps it be more interesting. Yes. it's It has such a dark tone to a lot of it. And yeah, even applying that to just like the creatures and stuff, it's all pretty kind of gross and yucky and that Game of Thrones realistic setting, I think. But then it uses that dark tone to create light moments in it. Yeah. To have this sort of dark comedy running all the way through that really worked for me. Yeah. Beautiful game, fun to play. Great DLC. Great DLC. Like honestly, it, it becomes like what, a 90 hour game. It's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Two kind of similar games. But speaking of taking uh, an overused topic... And then doing something interesting with it. Yes. Let's throw out another game of the decade. Mm -hmm. Telltale's The Walking Dead. I loved the first season of this game when I played it. It was such a fucking... Like, episodic games Mm. hadn't really been a thing that much by then yeah mm-hmm. was it telltale that really were the the trailblazers in that regard so valve did half-life episode one and two Fuck, that's in right. the 2000s telltale they, they only done... did one and two right yes yeah so and it, they came out quite a long time apart from each other so it wasn't didn't really count in my yeah. opinion yeah uh and then yeah telltale had been doing the sam and max games mm. and then uh, like a monkey island series and maybe a jurassic park one before this right back to the future even might have been before this they did a bunch mm. they just went crazy snapping up ips yeah to the point where they blew up their company because <laughs> of it. because yes. i am interested to talk about this game in the context of telltale because yeah. i never hugely got into the walking dead series right i liked it i played i think the first maybe three sure Series but of them or three episodes of the first series? Se- series. Right. Three, first three series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and liked sort of the the mechanics, the storytelling. Wasn't something that I'd experienced before. I didn't play those ones mm-hmm. that they released in the previous decade. Right. Um, but I, I was a bit over zombies and I didn't get into the Walking Dead comics or TV show hugely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, this one came out in 2012. Right. So it was like right as the Walking Dead TV show was having its moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the Walking Dead comics up right. to where I read. I didn't finish them, but um, they, they were good. And I liked uh, this game so much because it took, A, that kind of new format mm-hmm. of these episodic games released over the course of something like a year. Mm. There were, I think, five parts. And took the adventure game 
template, which was yeah. having a sort of revival and then did something a bit new with it. And then took the thing that kind of Mass Effect promised and delivered-ish on mm. of your choices will affect the outcome of these this story. Right. And it did that pretty well. Uh, it, it felt like at least. Like yeah. it, it, you were responsible for some characters living or dying. You were responsible for certain things happening or not happening. Mm. And it, even if it did still kind of guide you down the one path, which I think it does to a pretty large extent, it did a good job of masking that and making it feel like you had made this happen. Right. Like, there's a couple of things in there like someone uh, I I'm I well you know what I don't even know if I remember it well enough to spoil it but <laughs> someone like leaves your From eight group years ago sure someone leaves your group and steals like your truck or something when yeah. they go and it really felt like she'd done that cuz I'd pissed her off or something right. right and I think she always does it <laughs> right but it felt like it was my mistake well that's my my favorite telltale games are like the wolf among us and the actually I love the game of thrones one yeah telltale and as a whole for this decade I think is kind of what we're putting on here yeah yeah I think so like the batman Man games, yeah. like the, but I specifically replayed The Wolf Among Us and Game of Thrones, mm. and really did notice on those second playthroughs, like, oh, some of these you literally can't impact. No, right. It's but, a lot yeah. more linear than it makes itself out to be, but it, it is effective if you play it once at making it seem like you made it happen. Absolutely, yeah. Which is enough of a trick to make it kind of good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's so. great. Yeah. yeah. And then that story in the first season, I loved. Right. Um, Those characters are like now just among video game, the pantheon of characters. Right. That Lee, who you play in as the first one, Clementine, who's like sort of your, you know, person you're looking after. Yeah. And then Clementine becomes a protagonist for the remaining series. I really like the second series as well. Yeah. And then sort of dropped off. I think I played a couple of episodes of the third and never played the fourth. Right. Um, yeah. But I the the waiting for the next episode to show up, the sort of little cliffhangers it would leave you with, yep. that experience of playing a TV series mm. effectively over the course of a few months was really, really cool. Yeah. And something pretty unique at the time until they did it 450 times. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Yeah. But honestly... the business world was like, okay. <laughs> t- towards the end, even, I still was excited. Well, those Batman ones, Batman you, you one, yeah. liked those. And those were like, I think, Maybe some of their last. Yeah, yeah, things. definitely. They were. Like, I still have a Guardians of the Galaxy one I own that I haven't played yet. Fuck, I've forgotten they'd even done that. But, yeah. like, they had announced, I think they'd announced Wolf Among Us season two. I think they were going to do an Avengers one, even. Or right. there was talk about that. But I, I was still excited for. I wanted to know what they were going to be, what license that, li- licenses they were going to acquire. Because I wanted to play them. They were good stories. Yeah. Yeah. Same as with Witcher 3. I think writing in games is such an important thing to you and me especially. Yes. Tommy, you like it, but you need to learn to read. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you appreciate it sort of from a distance. Yeah, like, oh, those really are pretty care. shapes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, I think it, this would be fair to say maybe, Tommy, you appreciate a vi- the visual aesthetic more. Like you would might wait I like it, wait Yeah, I like aesthetic and I just like fun. Yeah, yeah. I just like having fun. I just like fucking around. Like yeah. I'm not. I'm. Yeah. I can. I can be very forgiving of of poor or non-existent writing. I guess you are the platformer fan mm. of the three of us. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And these, at times, definitely aren't fun in terms of gameplay. Sure. You're not doing that much. 
Like it, they threw in those yes. couple of like fucking shooting segments or whatever that sucked. It was just point and click on e- this sh- th- shape. Exactly, the gaming segments were bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I it tried... was this engaging story that <clears throat> really drove you through. I tried to play one of these probably on the iPad. Does that make Yeah, they yeah. came out on pretty much everything, thing? I think. Yeah. And I think at the time I was reading the comics and really enjoying them, I had tried with the TV series but couldn't really get into it. I right. think it maybe just started. And so I was already like a little tapped, a little fatigued on Walking Dead media. Mm. Sure. And just, I didn't dislike it but just never came back to it. Yeah. It was just a bit like, oh, I, I don't, didn't, don't really know what I was expecting. Mm. I think maybe the fact of just being completely fatigued out on... The Walking Dead universe because they're not mm. they they kind of take place in the same world as the comics, but it's a completely different story, right? It's, it's a side the same story. Characters. Yeah, I, I like I think one character from the comics shows up in the first series, like right. for a bit as a side character. Right, right. But um, which that's a cool choice. Yes, yeah. It's its own separate thing, and that was a really big positive about right. it with me because the TV show had followed the same story as the comics pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it went a lot slower. I remember yeah. watching the mm. first couple of episodes and being like, yeah, yeah, let's get into some new terrain. Yeah. I, I, I liked about those things and this did this of characters that were significant just dying and then like deal with that now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Try and figure out what's happening now that the one of the protagonists is gone. Mm. Um, yeah, great, great game. Uh, real... Uh, stalwart of the decade that yeah. sort of telltale style stuff then you get things like Life is Strange and whatever popping up that yep. kind of are mm-hmm. doing this similar thing um, I think you could point to the popularity of in quotes the walking simulator right. having something to do with this style of game coming back sure the focus being more experiencing a story yeah 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 and and, and a, like a weird hybrid adventure game thing yeah yeah so but yeah, I think that Telltale's The Walking Dead, a good symbolic mm. version of that, of, of a trend that happened during the decade. Oh, yeah. The decade had a lot of trends, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I guess maybe it'd be time to talk about uh, one of the... One Adam, of the big you just walked across set and sat in a <laughs> big armchair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, like they've we just do had all that. these in a, in a TV studio, we should say. We yeah. just had the cooking segment. I've gone, huh. Thanks for that, Marsha. <laughs> now, have you ever been at home and thought, damn, I wish my lawn... Oh, well, you wouldn't say damn on a morning TV, but... Don, I Don. wish my uh, mop could also serve as a hairdryer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Take these insanity pills that we're selling today. Um, micro trends... So, yeah, the the one of the, the big trends of the decade, Yep. one of the biggest of those, especially in the... Back end, yes, and I think this includes DLC. Is microtransactions? Yep, mm. yep. DLC got massive. Yep, uh, DLC kicks it off for sure. I like that. It sort of happened mid two thousands onwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when getting... did No Scrubs come out? I love DLC. God damn it! <laughs> oh, Dender loving care. <laughs> <laughs> Waterfalls. Yeah, is actually the best one. Yeah. Horse Armor, one of their best songs. <laughs> that that was the first thing I remember was um, in Oblivion. There was like nine dollar or whatever Horse Armor. Yeah. That was one of the first sort of microtransaction things. It was all DLC back then, and then the Mass Effect games had big yeah. DLC components. The Call of Duty and, and Battlefield, yeah. having sort of like the season pass equivalents. Yeah, yeah. And, and they just did them as packs throughout the year, and yeah. season passes showed up in like. 
early 2010s, probably. Yeah, yeah. And it, so it was season passes. It was online passes for a while. Yes. Things like Uncharted 3 would come with a little online pass that if you then bought a secondhand copy of it, you couldn't play the multiplayer mode yeah, until you'd right. paid for like a $10 online multiplayer oh, pass. Right. And then that started morphing more and more into what are today's microtransactions which is not even paying a small amount of money for a, you know, sort of... Tangible a, thing. A coat of paint on your gun or yeah. something. But the loot boxes started showing up yeah. around the mid-2000s. Literal gambling. <laughs> I don't know what would have been What's the th- earliest example yeah. of that. I don't know, Overwatch... Try and Google and see if there's... Yeah, the first instance of loot boxes. Um, Randomised... Loot box type stuff would have shown up in mobile games first. It was in your Clash of Clans type oh, shit. Oh, right, right. And then it sort of bled over because the lingo around it wasn't so much microtransactions. It was like mobile game elements, right? In uh, console games, yeah, yeah, and yeah. In PC games. Okay, here we go. The which first known lo- instance of a loot box system is believed to be an item called Gachapon Ticket, which was introduced in the Japanese version of Maple Story, a side scrolling oh, MMORPG. Gacha, gacha games are a, a catch-all term for like a very money-grubbing mobile game right. that really wants you to pay for you know yeah. more hours of play or so whatever. That was two thousand four that that first yeah right. popped up. And it really fucking took off, like your FIFA cards and all that sort of shit. All your fighting games having like your cosmetic, you know, things yeah. bundled into a, a loot box. Right. So that, like, A, just the cosmetic stuff costing money. B, the, hey, pay this money to get X amount of currency mm-hmm. for like maybe playtime or for whatever. Mm-hmm. And then C, randomized loot box stuff which got to the point in a very short period of time looking back on it yeah sort of two years like 2016 17 kind of thing yeah star wars battlefront 2 was a big big fucking example of it yep hammered for it it got to the point where countries have made legal yeah rulings on whether or not this is allowed it's been banned in certain i think like denmark was one of the first yeah leader like hey you're this is allowing underage people to gamble yeah yeah, that's been a big thing that's kind of like come to prominence and had big backlash in the time that we've been doing this mm. pod. Mm. Yeah, mm. over the course of this show. For sure. And it, like, it definitely rose up during this decade and it is almost wholly a negative trend. Yeah. Team Fortress 2 is listed on the Wikipedia for it as one of the first Western ones. Hats. Like 2011. <laughs> right. It was people making jokes about hats. I, I, I remember that. People going, you, you, could, you could buy, you know, cosmetic little fucking hats for yeah. you. Things it's like oh I've got a top hat, three dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever paid money for a cosmetic thing. I don't think I've ever interacted with a microtransaction. Oh, for a cosmetic thing, uh, I yeah, don't think I have. every bit of DLC that I fucking can because it feels like the game isn't complete. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, there are DLCs that I bought that I've never played. Yeah, same. Because it just feels weird to to and then this is like the decade where people would start talking about how chunks of games were effectively ripped out to sell then as dlc down the that's the most egregious thing i think because Mm. if so if you can buy a hat for a dollar yeah that's a choice that you make and and i think certainly uh the marketing around it should be you know very closely monitored and regulated yeah because you shouldn't be spruiking a hat to a child 
and you know misleading them about it and saying you need to pay one bucks for this this yeah. cowboy hat because you know you want to be a cowboy don't you <laughs> baby kid rock going like yes <laughs> <laughs> but and so that's sort of almost a step that's my issues with the advertising industry maybe but like cosmetic stuff sure it's when they take out uh, aspects of the game's content make mm. you pay for it or if they alter aspects of a normal single player game's content and make it worse because they then retroactively bundle in stuff you have to pay for. Yeah. That's where it gets real fucked. And I think that's that was the tipping point. It was day one DLC started showing up yep. where even the code would be on the disc for it. And when you bought the thing, it would unlock it. Mass Effect 2 had that. Right. That had the fucking C- Cerberus pass thing. Right. And like one of the side characters. They literally ripped out. Of Which one was that? Because I know that oh. Shadow Broker was Mass Effect 2 DLC, wasn't Yeah, it? and there yeah. was good DLC for Mass Effect. Uh, yeah, yeah, great that DLC. was great. Yeah. But there was a character on day one, I think his name was like Cade or something. He was like that British assassin guy. Oh, really? Or South African assassin guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he, Th- he came with it if you bought it. Not Thane, not the fish guy. Right. The Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, human-like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mercenary yeah, guy. The mercenary Z- guy. Zane or, Z- Zade or something. Zade? Yeah. 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 One of the One Directions. <laughs> yeah. And no, I know who you mean now, yes. And yeah. he was, you got him similar to like the online pass thing. You got it if you bought the game new, but if you were to buy it secondhand, right. you wouldn't have this content. Yeah. And it's shifty. Yeah. It's a grift. It's a scam. Yeah. And it's an entirely negative trend that has only gotten worse in this decade as people have gotten more used to the idea of spending money online, I guess. Yeah. Is part of it. Yes. So... Yeah, I remember the, that period of time where it was initially like, oh, I don't think I want to have a PayPal account because doesn't that mean the internet can steal my bank monies? Right. And that just becoming... Like, f- we now have fucking short-term loans. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. changing over, like, I spent $14,000 on this mobile game. Yeah. Mm. Is, is wild. Yeah. Deliberately marketing it to kids. There are crime organizations that use FIFA to launder money. Mm. Oh, it, I didn't know that. It's yeah, yeah. wild. It's yeah. insane. They like they one account buys the fucking packs and then the other one buys it off them for X amount of money and then that's clean money now. Yeah, yeah right. Something like that. <laughs> it's crazy. Fuck. I don't know exactly how it works because I'm not in a crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I were, yes. it would not be for that. Right. It. Yeah, it's... Uh, Honestly, towards the end of the decade, seems like it's gotten better. Is the yeah. one good thing? Yeah. It seems like they pushed it as far as they fucking could. Actual government stepped in and went, "Hey, mm. this is fucked. This is yeah. a casino." <laughs> and they've backed off before that. It has to get more and more legislated, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, that's a trend that we'll look back on. Yeah. To some extent, but DLC for sure is huge. Yeah. Is always going to be here. And will they game companies will find ways to monetize their games beyond selling you the product mm. more and more and more as we move on in time. Yeah, and that's fine. Like a good implementation of DLC, something that's a huge game mm. out of the box that then, hey, we've had a bit more time now. It's popular. Here's like a new little bit of story you can buy for 10 bucks. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, sure. it's actual content yeah. that's good. It's like an expansion pack. They used to be there around all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like a new game in some ways. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the genesis of it being companies wanting to avoid the thing of 
someone buys a game, they trade it in, they resell it. Yeah, someone yeah. else buys it right. from them. So maybe like one copy of the game has been bought three or four separate times, yeah. but the company has only gotten one share of revenue from that. Yeah. So them just trying to encourage people, don't get rid of your copy. Hang on to it. There'll be new stuff coming out. So from that point of view, it's like, yeah, well, that makes sense. That's fair enough mm. to want to try and get people to hang on to it. And to keep as much of the funds coming back to you as possible. Yeah. But then when it gets stretched into the nefarious sort of side of it is, yeah. Games cost a lot to make now as well. And the yeah. price of them new hasn't really gone up for a long time. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it is another way to supplement your income. Yeah. By instead of making a game cost $80 new, have a fucking dumbass premium edition. And mm. that's $80 new and has a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But games as a service and yeah. online stuff, we'll talk about probably in a different section sure but yeah it's um it's something that looked for a while like it was going to point towards a grim dystopian future Mm -hmm. speaking of a grim dystopian future (laughs) margaret (laughs) (laughs) let's move on to uh another one of the best games of the last uh 10 years took me a long time to figure out how many years are in a decade (laughs) if only there was a clue (laughs) do you guys want to talk about near automata I'm happy to listen to you talk about it, but I haven't finished it. I haven't even right. finished it once. Yep. It's a great game to the extent that I love the design, I love the music, I love the weird characters, the setting. It's all really cool, really intriguing. I haven't gotten to the point where it becomes a masterpiece <laughs> art. Sure. Form. Me either, yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, the knowing that you've got to sink a great deal of time into it yep. before it really reveals itself. It's uh yeah it's 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 a big glaring one of my long term pile of shame. Mm. I think a big part of the reason that Nier Automata deserves a place on this list beyond it being um a really great piece of work. Yes. To you know by the time you've done it all I think it is a good poster child for the resurgence of unique particularly unique Japanese games. Right. That, on, on that like B tier game, mm. you know what I mean. There mm-hmm. was a the, a part there where it was like triple A stuff, and then maybe indie stuff, but that right. middle ground went away. Right. And this, I think, fl- fits into that. Yeah, sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It doesn't have to uh, be constrained by a sort of blockbuster. Yeah. Game, uh, sort of the expectations that having to be sort of broadly appealing. Yeah. And it's not restricted by the limited budget of a very small indie game. Exactly. Yeah. It's and this to have a thing that doesn't fully reveal itself to you until yeah. hours and hours in, mm. which is such a big ask, yes. such a leap. Well, yeah. and it's the I think it's it's a good example of this kind of really uh, thing that I think has come a, a, to a lot more prominence during the last decade of a very focused artistic game. Right. Mm. An auteur game, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think stuff like Doki Doki Literature Club fits into the category of what Nier Automata is. Yeah. Or like Death Stranding. Yep. Mm. Or And there's probably other examples I'm not thinking of now, but it is such a um, complete 
piece of art. Yeah. In its weird, eccentric, strange little niche that it occupies. It doesn't water itself down to be accessible. No. Which is the hallmark of uh, a piece of art. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. And it is watering itself down to be accessible is the mark of a video game, usually. Yeah, yes, mm. absolutely. Like you were saying, they tried to broaden the appeal as much as, as possible. Uh, the Call of Duties and the Assassin's Creeds mm-hmm. of the late twenty or the late two thousands and a lot of the twenty tens. Yeah, I think you know represent this kind of almost soulless, yeah, capitalist game. Yeah, and Near Automata is the opposite of that. I mean, it's got like a fifteen dollar DLC that's just fucking sexy outfits for these characters. <laughs> yeah, there's other issues. With there's it. weird shit with as, it. As yeah. all uh, artists, <laughs> you yeah, know, there's there's some skeletons in the closet. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but um, it it's. A unique and eccentric game that occupies, yeah, this this quirky little middle ground that I think came back during the 2000s and particularly from Japan. Yeah. yeah. Ben, how would you feel about me asking Adam to spoil the game for us? Okay. I'll do it. I, I yeah. Mean, I'd, oh, I'd like to... Uh, me too. Uh, but what about some know, broad strokes that you won't really remember when you come to them okay. yeah. when you go to play it yeah. that just give you a sense of the overall feeling of the experience? Well, that's I'd, that'd yeah. be good because I don't know what I haven't got to, which yeah. is making it hard for me to f- get motivated to right. get to it. I'm going to spend two minutes spoiling Near Automata now. Skip ahead if you want to. Yep. yep. Because um, we've talked about it a bit and danced around it, but it's been out for long enough that, yeah, look, and I do really want to get around to it, but who knows if I ever will. And I'm mm. really, really curious to know what this thing is about it that sure. everyone says really flips and completely changes your perception. Yeah, yeah, it. that's fair. So yeah. the f- you play through it five times. Mm-hmm. Right. There are five A, B, C, D and E playthroughs, are the, the main ones. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, 21 other endings. Right. Most of them jokes and the credits will go and just zip through. Right. Like if you eat a poisonous fish, it gives you ending K. Right. And it's like you died because you ate this fish, fuckhead. Start again. Okay. And it's a joke ending and it doesn't really end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has a lot of that stuff. It fucks with the form of being a video game in that way really often throughout it right so the first playthrough is a pretty standard thing of like an action game where you're fighting these robot enemies who are controlled by aliens Mm -hmm. in the subsequent playthroughs you find out oh those aliens are actually dead the whole time and the humans that you thought living on the moon are actually dead the whole time so you're just these godless machines and the whole theme is like can we kill god and they actually mean can we kill the humans right because we hate them right you're these fucking androids which is part of the reason you look like a sexy android because the humans made you to look like sex robots Right. Because of course they fucking did. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got these other machines who have realized they've lost their god, these aliens, and are no longer fighting for them and have developed souls because of that and like end up being these like uh, free and kind robots living in the in the forest oh, yeah, interacting yeah, yeah. with yeah. you end up seeing uh, one of those robots having to react to the massacre of a whole bunch of children that it's looking after. It goes into these really fucked up mm. kind of um, uh, bizarre uh situations like that you 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 fight these twins the specifics of the story are going to escape me I you f- see I've the robots fucking i i, I actually think I, maybe i got to the sec- second playthrough well, so you see it a couple of times because the first playthrough yeah, right. you play through is 2b yeah. the second one you're this 9s character the third time i think you're like a2 or whatever her name was and you go through a couple of other characters that you have to play this through as. Right. right. And you see these stories from different perspectives and then it moves on to this other stuff. It keeps fucking with um, your expectations in that way and and going back through and recontextualizing stuff that you've seen previously. Right. 
um, it, with a really specific thing that I can remember and was a great example of how it uses itself as being a video game to convey story and uh, a tone and an emotion that it wants to do. At the very, very end of the game, mm. during the credits, you are... So there are segments in it where you're like the little 2D spaceship having to shoot the little balls if you're like hacking something yep. during the regular game. You're that spaceship and you're shooting the credits. And it wants you to get through the credits, but mm-hmm. they get they get too fucked. You can't do it. Right. But then it says, hey, don't worry about it because the souls of other players are going to come and help you. And then all of these other spaceships come in and the music starts to swell. It's got fucking amazing music, this game. And you end up shooting all the credits with all these other players who have gone through the credits as well. <laughs> right. And it's got recordings of their thing. And then at the very end, it says, hey, by the way, all of those people who just helped you, they helped you because they deleted their game save to help you. And you've right. got a choice now. You can either delete all your progress and get rid of everything that you've just done to help other people or you can selfishly keep it and never help anybody else. <laughs> right. And it gives you choices like that and it starts right. getting real like philosophical towards the second part and it needs to go through that first part of being a pretty straightforward action game to get to those moments in the last few things where it's like, hey, by the way, when you were doing this, like, why were you doing this? Was right. it because I told you to do it? Right. right. And I being the game. Which is a much more subtle version of Spec Ops The Line. Right, exactly. Doing it in a real fucking ham-fisted and not interesting way. And it's a thoughtful and weird and mm. um, uh, it's it uses the medium well. I also think it's a more interesting version of it than Journey. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. that same sort of thing because it puts the onus of you on you of like, hey, we're not just doing this because it feels good. It's like you have to lose something. Right. You either have to be a cunt or help. Mm. And those choices that it gives you in the way that it portrays or um, presents uh, similar uh, philosophical kind of things throughout the sort of second half of it is really interesting. Mm. And it, it keeps presenting you with these really... Uh, well thought out situations in with an interesting art style, fantastic music, and a fun world to explore, and all this sort of stuff. It, it just it it's something that you need the the entirety of it to have the context to enjoy. But I think it it fucking it becomes amazing once you go through that whole thing. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it, it is similar. It sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah, and there's a few games like that that came out this decade where I think video games as an art form and as a medium have been pushed so much further. Yeah. in the last ten years mm. than they ever had been, and uh, I think this is a good representation of that. Yeah, sounds great. A mm. um, lot of deep thinking there. A lot of uh, big <laughs> ideas and yep. big concepts. <laughs> I tell you what, my little brain is absolutely sore from thinking about all that stuff. <laughs> is it? I could oh, really? really handle just switching off and playing something that is simplistic to the point of being borderline insulting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Tommy, why don't you play one of the Mario games? Thanks, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do you one better than that, Ben. Why don't I play all of the Mario <laughs> games that came out? Between 2010 and 2019. Here we go, off the rails. Don't you know it's time to raise our sails? It's freedom like you never knew. Be bad, or a pass, say the word, I'll be there in a flash. You could say my happy's off to you. Except for, except for the new Super Mario games. 
Yeah, I reckon right, they're not included in right. this. Yeah, sure. But we have cheated. Yeah. <laughs> for this so entry. from Galaxy Two and then like Super Mario 3D Land and 3D World. Yep. Uh, yeah. What Mario they, Kart Eight as well, Mario and the Mario yes. Makers and Mario Odyssey. We're just lumping them all in together. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, that goes through a, a fair chunk of um, not. I mean. Re- really, a lot of like reinvention of this series of a 3D mm. Mario platformer mm. within the like they like it starts off the start of the decade. Mario Galaxy Two comes out, mm. uh, leftover ideas from Mario Galaxy One. Great games, uh, so many ideas in there. They then sort of scale that back a little bit and then do 3D Land and 3D World, which is sort of more si- very like just simplistic, like isometric, almost. isometric, mm. yeah, yeah, levels. Uh, and then they close out the day, de- or basically close out the decade with Mario Odyssey going back to the formula that they kind of popularized in what was it, 1996 with Mario 64? Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, just those 3D Land and 3D World are like two of my favorite games of all time. Absolutely, just I think if we had to nail this down to one Mario game, it would be 3D World. Is that the that, Wii U one? That's yeah. the Wii U right. one, yeah. right? Because I, I have. Uh, well, actually, I don't have any more a 3DS, but mm. I had one and I played 3D Land on it, yeah. and I loved it. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Both of those games are great. It's insane that they're not on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I'm I'm done with the remasters and the remakes, but that's the, I'd be more than happy to have yeah. one of them or a double pack or whatever. It's on bizarre them. that they didn't do. It. I guess Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is in here as well. That was sick. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, an off, yeah it's a yeah. bonus levels of 3D World. Yeah. But there, it's a it yeah it's a shame that more people haven't played those two or specifically 3D World because it was on a console that no one had. Mm. It's it's so good and just like it's just so easy to sink hours into. And you were talking about the kind of things that I specifically mm. enjoy in games and like this is it to a T. Yeah, yeah. Just like nice aesthetic and just fun and just constant new ideas every every three seconds, mm. every level having something new in it. Jumping in and being like, okay, what's going to be the thing here? Jumping in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said yeah. jumping yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, I heard. <laughs> oh, the like the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, like the right, protagonist, right. Jumpman. <laughs> <laughs> like the little cherries that split you off and yep. create two of you and then you one of them gets another cherry and then all of a sudden there's like 18 of you running around the level. Like, yeah. The only thing I don't love about 3D World is it felt like it was kind of leaning a bit <gasps> on the like... Hey, get four of you playing the level, which I which I never did, and I'm sure is fine. But right. like that's, I maybe prefer land a little bit more because it just is. It's purely it's just focused. like th- single player. Yeah, I always felt like I was slightly missing out with 3D World by not playing it with four people. I can see that the co-op stuff in the Mario games in those new Super Mario Brothers games as well. Yes, never appealed the, to the, me. The, yeah, it was the first. The first one on the Wii where they were like, oh, you can have yes. two players and there's a bubble and it, the, the two toads are part of it now as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I remember playing that first one on the Wii with my girlfriend at the time and it being like, oh, this is cool. But uh, yeah, I don't think it necessarily added anything to the game in the terms problem, of a real game. Agreed. Yeah, the problem with that stuff is it's rare that you get together with someone who has played it as much, you know, mm. who is of a mm. similar skill level, like knows what they're doing and you kind of like can play through the levels together. It's either like a novelty thing of like, hey, some friends around, let's, you know, let's each grab a Wiimote and I'll show you how to play mm. and invariably yeah. two people in the group are absolutely shithouse at it, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, has its own fun. You know, if you're having a couple beers and fucking around, like it, it's fun enough. But mm. yeah, the in terms of like legitimately playing through this game with someone else, I've never, like, 
friends of mine that are like also playing it, you know, to the same extent that I am. It's rare that, but well, basically never happens that I would hit yeah. them up and go, "Hey, come round and we'll play it together." Yeah, <laughs> it's Mario just games seem like yeah, they're frustrating enough if you fuck them up on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If yeah. someone else fucks it up for you, get out of my house. Now, <laughs> yeah. I think my personal favorite Mario game of the decade is the opposite of that. It's perfect for multiple people to play. Everyone can play it because they've been playing it at parties since they were eleven years old. Mario Kart. Yeah, it's just uh, a. But I think 8 Deluxe, the Switch version, is the perfect Mario Kart game. And Mario Kart as a formula, oh, it's just the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoever thought it up, you're a genius. Yeah. You've nailed Miyamoto. it. Miyamoto. Actually, I don't know if it was him for Mario yeah, Kart. Yeah, I don't know that it yeah. was, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's so good. And, it, like, yeah. launching, like, bringing that out, re-releasing that on the Switch within the first, like, whatever it was, a couple of months of it being yeah, yeah. such a slick move. Like, yeah, yeah, I again, when that game came out on the Wii U, I just loved it so much. And, like, no, you know, no one was playing it. Like, yeah. it, it was felt great when it came out and so many people got a Switch day one because of the portability and because of Zelda and then to then... A couple of months of a couple months later, people going like, "Fuck, this is so good." Yeah, All which the DLC I, on it. We yeah, didn't really yeah. make a meal of it before, but Zelda did come. Out, Breath of the Wild came out on the Wii U too, which is crazy. It was yes. the, it was the like swan song for that. Yeah, because that's console. how you did you play? Yeah, that? I played yeah, it on yeah. the Wii U. It was yeah. great on there. So there were there were a lot of good games on the Wii U for as yeah. poor of a decade or what fucking six years or something that yeah. it had less mm. five. It was it had some really good games. Mario Kart Eight. 3D World and Breath of the Wild being the top three, mm. two and of which are available on the Switch. Mario Maker being yeah, like, oh yeah, know, be, being a, a big thing for them, and then that inspiring the sequel, Splatoon be, becomes a That's big thing right. for Nintendo, yeah. like one of their yeah. new IPs. They put out like yeah, a Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. That was the frustrating thing about the Wii U. They put out some of their best yeah. stuff they've ever put out, and you know, as much as remakes are. a pain in the ass and we talk about it a lot it's like well, they brought out so many great games on this system that no one played so sure. I personally can't really fault them for just being like you know what this needs a home mm. on a console that people actually have and yeah. you can play these like games like just blanket putting these Mario ones on there as well I think Mario games are like default video game to me yeah yeah. they, they are just the vanilla of what a video game is but in a great way it's yeah. insane that that's applicable to the platformers mm. and to mario kart mario kart it's like fucking billiards or something you yeah know? Like, yeah it's just a game that should have always existed and will always exist <laughs> right. like billiards <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i mean <laughs> the roaring 20s <laughs> I, I was thinking of pool because it's like it's something that you play while you're having a few beers. So every, Anyone doesn't can play your it. Skill level. Exactly, it's Absolutely. always fun, yeah. and Even it's if just you're bad like at it, it's fun. Yeah. a basic. It's base game. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's probably the one game that yeah people who don't play video games know what it is. Yeah, and know enough about the fundamentals that you can be like because it's racing. This Everyone button, knows how to you race. Push this, to shoot. Yeah. this is what these do. Yeah, yeah. fuck, muddle through it. You'll you work it out. Yeah. And yeah, just the whole the whole design and style of eight is so good. You know, mm. they've they kinda do their little refinements with each one. Like in seven it was like, now you can have a little hang glider come out of the so you know, yeah, which yep. don't really shift it up too much. But like the yeah. whole thing in this one of uh, in Mario Kart eight of having anti gravity where you can yeah. go upside down and underneath the track. When you're actually doing it, it doesn't really alter things that much. But you know, when you see the track at the start and it's got these big crazy and yeah, this was the first well, game focusing that on the slides too. Yeah, on your, yeah. your power sliding. Yes, this was Mario Kart 8 was the first, I believe, the first Nintendo game to have DLC. 
It was their first foray into that. Sure, oh, right. Just a few months after it had come out, they just out of the blue were like, "Hey, we're bringing out a pack where there's a Mercedes be Benz and shit." Yeah, Mercedes stuff was free. Right, there was a weird thing where they just put this update, but then they had you could buy the pack that had Link, the villager from Animal Crossing, and then four yeah. new cups. Right, it was half retro cups and then uh, the tracks and then half new tracks. That's right, and, and it had that F Zero track in it. And maybe yeah. Smash Brothers. For the Wii U, around the same time, had the DLC too. Yes, that started having like cloud and shit. But I think just like the Mario games, or being apart from the new Super Mario Bros. games and adding Mario Kart all together as a <laughs> as a pack, like Mario Kart Eight, the most refined and like like you say, perfect version of that. Yeah. But it's like that Nintendo inventiveness mm. that Mario consistently has, apart from the new Super Mario Bros. games. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. It, what about Mario Strikers Football? Not a Mario game. <laughs> yeah. That's a football game. That's FIFA. Sure, sure. But it's, I don't know, they're, they're, they're kind of the one continuous thing to me. In those video Mario games. games. Yeah. Yeah. And we are cheating by lumping them together like this. Yeah. But. Who's going to fucking clamp down on us? Well, yeah. This is our show. The government? <laughs> yeah. What I find Denmark? so interesting about the Mario platformers, uh, the 3D platformers specifically, is like, I can't really think of too many other things culturally that have been around for as long and been as consistent. Mm. Mm. There are maybe, you know, there's like matters of personal taste of like, eh, sunshine is, uh, you know, but it's it's rare to have something that has been around since the 80s that doesn't, that hasn't at, at this point in 2019 absolutely fucked itself at some point along the way. Mm. Other than the Super Mario <laughs> Well, I don't think the new Super Mario Brothers are fucking it. They're just not as... Perfect. They're just a little bland for yeah. some reason. Yeah. But in this b- genre that became so big and able to become generic in because of Mario. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you know what's weird as well? I heard someone make this point the other day. Now Death Stranding's like, the movement is actually gameplay now. Like, it's crazy. Right. Mario is all only movement. <laughs> yeah. Sure. The, the, it's Mario's just, a running simulator. All you yeah. do is move around in these worlds. Yeah, yeah. But they've made the movement feel perfect. Mm. So it's just innately fun to run around as Mario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, in there's a quote from when uh, Ubisoft were developing uh, the Mario Rabbids game and mm. they went to Nintendo and said, we want to do this. And Miyamoto was like, you can do it as long as you can't have any jumping in it because that's that's a Mario platformer thing. Right. That's right. The, like the thing that defines those games is the jumping. So work out a system that doesn't involve him running and jumping. Sure. That's our thing. Yeah. Hands fuck. off. Fuck. Uh, yeah, they're all great. Yep. They all deserve to be played. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty much the most universal game. Mm. And uh, they brought gaming to the masses. Speaking of gaming being brought to the masses, <laughs> how about, Bert, we talk about the next trend of the decade mm. that we thought worth mentioning. Mobile games. And the kids are going crazy for it. (laughs) You've seen them on their lunchboxes. (laughs) But what are mobile games? Uh, A plague and a blessing (laughs) at the same time. It's like, because mobile phones pretty much happened this decade. Sure. Yeah. This is our Black Mirror episode. It's fucking nuts. Well, the smartphone. The smartphone, yeah, 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 sure. What we think of as a phone now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The internet in the way that it exists in our lives now. Mm-hmm. The 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 smart device in the way that it exists in our lives now. 
it happened last decade in the or the, in the two thousands, mm-hmm. but it really became what it is during this. Being on the internet decade. nonstop, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having access to the fucking computer in your pocket. Yes, and it got monetized, <laughs> and Candy Crush started to exist. <laughs> yes, it, it was that sort of shit that is what you think of when you say mobile game, right? Yeah, yeah, like pretty much. Candy Crush, Clash of Clans, whatever. F- some fucking thing sending you a notification, being like, "Hey, it's been forty minutes. Come build another campfire in your stupid fucking village." Yes. Uh. Also, good things like Monument Valley. Right. Yeah. And like we talked about What the Golf recently. So that's the other thing that it did is it gave this whole other avenue for a new type of control, a new type of game. This yes. like mini small kind of game that exists on mobile platforms. Mm. A portable way to play traditional games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bizarre how just... Uh, how much of a part of our lives it seems now, and that it really has been the last ten years. Yeah, the f- like that the the all the microtransaction shit came out of this sort of thing. Yep, that like gotcha whatever thing. Yep, that was mobile games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is how this shit started happening. Free games with in in game purchases. Yeah, that was it. That what, was how they got gotcha. you. What people see is like the negative. Um, casualization of games yeah you know people games becoming mainstream with candy crush and like farmville on facebook yes i guess was the previous decade bejeweled bejeweled which was a good like these are not all bad games i played hundreds of levels of candy crush same same uh and now have done it with like dr mario and shit that nintendo of all fucking people yeah has you know, come into after the fact and go, oh, this shit's okay. Let's see if we can do our version. Yeah. Mm. So Mario Run, another one of the Mario games not included on our list. Yep. Yeah. Because I Mario Kart fucking mobile, whatever it's called. Yes. Mm. World Tour sucks. Yeah. I don't think any of Nintendo's handheld games have really been good. Yeah. Oh, I, sorry, handheld, fucking mobile. Mobile. Yeah. I don't mind Super Mario Run, but it's not. It's not included in that category yeah. that we did before. I liked it, but yeah. It's yeah. good in, in that world of mobile games, right? Sure. But it, it yeah, is this yeah. separate other thing. Yeah. It weirdly doesn't feel like video games in the same way. I like The Room. Those are yeah. good um, yeah. games on mobile phones. Those like kind of point and click uh, like Room Escape type games. Yeah. They live pretty well on a mobile phone. Yeah. But other than them, there's nothing I don't think that I would choose or prefer to play on a mobile phone. And yet, it's I th- the biggest gaming platform in the world. Mm. Well, so then all this stuff kind of to flip all that, a couple of years ago, Pokemon Go comes out. Yeah. On the mobile phone. Oh, yeah. Which is a weird, like takes people, forces people to go out into the real world. Yeah. To play this mobile game. Would you call it? We're talking about that yeah. in this yeah, category, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, like pr- probably you would say one of the biggest now, like currently, or f- certainly in the last couple of years, one of the biggest and most successful mobile games. Games, full stop. Yeah. 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 But completely flips the script on, script on what... Uh, mo- and it's got, yeah, it's got in-app purchases. Yeah, you can purchase it's like the, potions and all that sort of yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Flappy Bird... Yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, Pokemon Go showing up is one of the biggest mainstream games. Fortnite and shit like that, which we'll talk about maybe more in detail a bit later. That is primarily played on the phone in Japan. Mobile right. phones are the biggest thing. Yeah, part of Konami fucking off from video games and all the shit that happened with Metal Gear that again we'll talk about later. 
it largely happened because they were making money on Pachinko. Yep. But also they didn't. No one wanted to make console games. Right. For a period of time because the overheads like, were too big. It just made more sense to do mobile games. And no one's fucking playing them. Yeah. Like if people are just playing games on mobile phones, and that's where the money is, and that's where these whales are. You're yeah. looking for the whales. Yes. When you when you're doing microtransactions, yeah. Some people. Especially the $4. Japanese developers. Oh god damn it. <laughs> 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 but there are, there are f- people who spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on these mobile games yeah. in a huge market. Mm. Again, it's this is the gambling thing that we talked about yeah. before. It is addiction. It is preying on and marketing to people's addictive personalities. Yep. And Because yeah. it's there on you the whole time. Yep. 24 hours a day is an opportunity to get people with these games. It doesn't feel real. You're not putting a coin in a poker machine. You are just clicking a button. You're and putting it in a bloody Pokemon Go machine. Oh! But yeah, it's it's such a fucking shift of gears from what a video game was considered to be. Absolutely, in years past, they're completely mainstream now. Everyone who has a phone, I think, has played a mobile game at some point of some kind. Absolutely, which has expanded the pool of people who are technically, you know, gamers or whatever. Yeah, to a hundred percent, pretty much. Yeah, it's up there around that number. Maybe 104, somewhere or other. <laughs> but I played two games, so that probably counts for double. It's nuts. Yeah. And it's it's changed what a game is to people, what a game is, what, what a company wants a game to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, not necessarily for the positive, but it's definitely been one of the hugest things that's happened for the decade, yeah. which is why we bloody talked about it. Oh, is that why? <laughs> yeah. But okay. I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely has done you know has contributed to the microtransaction thing and there is a big negative side of it but yeah like true it has made it easier for like a lot of great stuff to come out to like monument valley is so good such a great series of games there are some there are some very good ones you just have to look pretty hard to find them right Mm. then the auteur shit is harder to come by Mm. well and there's all these like kind of fake games almost that show up on there you're fucking like Grand Drive Automatics or whatever, right. where it's like some Lep. fucking poorly made... <laughs> Lep. <laughs> Lep. Yeah, Lep. <laughs> Friend of the show, Lep. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Don't forget Lep too. <laughs> that expansion... Are, how many Leps are there There's now? a lot of Leps. There's got to be a lot of Leps. <laughs> Every Lep game is included in our Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lep is actually a real... Is the best, like... Microcosm of it, but it's then, a ripoff of an existing game with a weird little uh, different skin applied to it. Poorly made. Poorly I don't made. know who's playing it. Yeah, and yet they've made fifty of them. Yeah, so they must be making money off of this someone's somehow. Someone's playing lap. Someone's fucking accidentally downloading this and going through it, or someone is four years old. Yeah, is maybe yes. more the answer. Yeah. Uh, who knows? There's but three lap worlds. Then there's two laps world plus, mm-hmm. and then there's lap world Z, which is lap. Lep crossed with zombies. Oh, <laughs> Plants vs. Zombies, another huge one. That one was okay, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yes, there one are, of the good ones. And Apple Arcade is a pretty cool innovation in it. I think trying to sort of, I don't want to use the word legitimize, but traditionalize mm. the types of games that you're getting on a mobile platform yeah. is good. And I, I have nothing again. I actually don't really like using touchscreens to control games, but... I have nothing against the concept of mobile games. Yeah. It's just that most of them aren't very good. You liked Sayonara Wild Hearts. Yes. I'm surprised that wasn't in your top five last week, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah, I forgot about it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because it's actually a bad game. <laughs> oh! 
<laughs> no, it's like a movie. It only goes for a couple of hours. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's changed what a game can be. It's changed how easy it is to make a game mm. and to get it in front of people, which is a good thing, I guess. But yep. then you've got these weird story. It's just, it's a brave new world we're living in. Oh, yeah. The, the, the classic idea of a game is gone and a game can be anything, which I guess is ultimately a good thing. I Probably, yeah. Because, I mean, even though there were a million big budget traditional sort of games made in the last decade and they're mainly what we're talking about as our big things. Mm. The sort of game where it's like like a first-person shooter mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Big budget. Yeah. Pretty straightforward, linear type of game, but with like, you know, a bit of a twist to make it cool. Bi- Bioshock <laughs> Infinite. <laughs> That's the next one. <laughs> I may not always love you. But long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be. Nothing to me so, so what good would living do me God, God only knows what I'd be without you Without you Thanks, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> this is rehearsals. This is not yeah, going yeah. live to when to we air. turn the mics on. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> then we'll do it real. Bioshock Infinite. You can buy right now. Oh, Shock Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Shock Shop. <laughs> <laughs> a game that featured a bunch of uh, people spruiking shit. Yeah, uh, and all, all, uh, is based on one of the biggest people spruiking shit uh, events in history: the World's Fair. Which right. was a turn of the century fucking... Yeah, you read a book about this recently, right? So, so interesting. But yeah, so Bioshock Infinite... What's the book, just quickly, if anyone wants to look it up? The Devil in the White City. Okay. It's the history of the 1893 World's Fair and also a serial killer who was fucking around at the same time. Is he the guy who had the hotel? Yes. Ah, uh, Leo's going to be in this movie, right? A TV series, apparently. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that that's what um, Bioshock Infinite is based on. In terms of its setting and its uh, aesthetic. And that sort of like cartoon idea we have of America from about 100 years ago. When America was creating those cartoons because it wanted to be seen as legitimate as Paris, as London, as these other huge cultural uh, metropolises. Yeah. And so, yeah, Bioshock Infinite takes that exact idea, that aesthetic, that desire for America to be great. Yeah. Which I, again is like it's n- was boiling at the time, mm. but 
I think maybe it was a little ahead of its time and it's like, oh, not even. It was definitely still happening at the time, but that like Randy kind of, as in Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Austin Powers Randy. was always talking about. Was, Are you Randy, baby? Do you love the free market? Yeah. Should a man be entitled to the sweat of his own brow, baby? So, so yeah, so Bioshock, I guess we get to cheat and talk about Bioshock as a series a little bit as well. Sure. Because Bioshock Infinite is not altogether that different from Bioshock 1 or 2. Sure. It's yep. almost the same game, which was a criticism that it copped at the time. Mm. It's A lot of people thought it was the same as Bioshock 1, but slightly worse. Yeah. Um, I think I fall into that camp right, a little but, bit. But Bioshock is an amazing game. Exactly, yeah. because it it Bioshock at the time was a big hit. Mm. Uh, as in, like, it did well. Uh, as in, no, I mean, for me, I don't mean in terms of money. I mean, like, it, it it succeeded at what it was trying to do in a major way. Absolutely. And it was a genuine work of art, a real uh, sort of unique creation, a, a consistent sort of perspective yeah. throughout it. Explored themes in a really artful way. Except for maybe, like, the last boss fight, which yes. was really strange. Yes, I agree. I don't even know if I beat the last boss. I think I maybe watched it on YouTube. Pretty dumb. But anyway, yeah, so Bioshock Infinite is is all of that stuff that was in Bioshock. It was ex- exploration, tense, first-person combat, and a really sort of strongly executed story yeah. and world. Yeah. Um, it, it also it, it explores the same things almost as Bioshock, which was like, uh, what does society do to people? What do people do to society? Mm. And is that out of selfishness? Is it out of compassion? Almost exclusively, it's negative stuff. <laughs> yeah, very American shit of like uh, capitalism, just like mm. open capitalism. Mm-hmm. The most money is the best person. Totally. To the point where it like, you know, it does some pretty on the nose type metaphors where it's like they, the, the founding fathers shit, all the like stuff that the Tea Party... Yes. Kind of people at the time were going like, I don't even know if that was at the time. I can't really remember. It must have been. Surely, yeah. But it's like revering this fake idea of who George Washington was mm. um, literally as a god in this in, in the game. And it pulled all that stuff off really well. Mm. The, the art design and the visuals of it were fucking beautiful. Yep. The sound was f- amazing because it had all the time travel aspect to it. Yeah. And the way that it used... more modern songs than from the 20s but did those old-fashioned versions of them Mm. created this really bizarre feeling world that put across its themes very well yes the dlc for this was fucking good too. the whole thing of of the setting of bioshock infinite was a separatist state yeah it was people and it was it's sort of like derived from the initial idea of america as puritans who weren't allowed to be as religious as they wanted to be in england going to a new world and creating that new world yeah as this perfect pure christian society and, and then and that then, purity bleeds very directly into hey fuck other races absolutely and so that's what um, literally that's what the united states of america was yeah and then bioshock infinite shows a version of that that is heightened pardon the pun uh, is, you're in the sky. <laughs> you're it. in the sky. It's Thomas. a city in the sky. Uh, but it literally, it's it's a heightened version of what America actually is. Yeah. And it just, it's it's like a great science fiction thing that shows w- genuine shitty things through a lens of wonder and yeah. amazement. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pulled off in a in a in a fun way. Um. It was an enjoyable game too. Mm. And uh, the DLCs for it. 
especially, I thought were a great wrap-up to that whole kind of series. Yeah, I think the DLC for Bioshock Infinite might be my favourite DLC of any game. Agreed. Because it, yeah. it, you, it, you get to go back to Rapture and Bioshock 1 and it looks beautiful. The way that it wraps up, oh, what's her name, Elizabeth's story yes. is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. But also really well done. Uh, the, the way both of those stories from the main game and the DLC mm. end is great. I, I remember at the time being just completely obsessed with how, how like, maybe sophisticated. Mm. I certainly at the time thought it was sophisticated. Yeah. The story was, was told and structured and, and delivered in a video game. The structure of it especially I mm. think is really... Because when you come to a time travel anything it oh, and like multiverse shit and all of that... Mm-hmm. It has all these big ramifications on, okay, so why did this happen? And why would this character have let this happen if they could travel in time and stop it? Sure, yeah. And I think it dealt with all that stuff pretty well. And it, and it, uh, it does deal with it well structurally and it's it's leading to an emotional resolution. Yes. Like the whole point of all that like structural fucking around, which is in so many bad time travel media. Yeah. But the point of it in this game was an emotional one and a personal one. And it's exploring something that... A number of games did around that time, which we'll talk about another one of them in the next part, but Walking Dead had this and this had this where it's like a father-daughter or or even father-son. We'll talk about another yeah. one in the next one. A lot of that parent-child relationship, yeah. which I think is kind of just something that the age of people who are involved with video games increasing mm. As video games is age increases, <laughs> yes. my age very high to be able to speak like this. <laughs> yeah, to have such your, good your age and your IQ is about the same number. I think. Hey, I'm <laughs> two hundred and twelve. Then, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I'm the smartest man who's ever lived. <laughs> I invented all of these games. <laughs> right, inventing game. I'm dumb as hell. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really great game. It's another one of these ones that has that artistic vision mm. and pulls it off. And uh, yeah, I, I think is a great game. I agree. That's why I asked for it to be on the list. <laughs> uh, it very much did sit in that first-person shooter genre, though, I guess would be mm. maybe a, a criticism you can make. Right. It wasn't like a sort of um, innovative genre piece. Sure. Didn't kind of create this new way of doing, say, a third-person action game. Yeah, yeah. Unlike... A certain, well, Demon Souls technically did it, but the next one is Dark Souls. Demon Souls come out? 2009. Right. right. Yeah, so we just missed it. But Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Yep. And not Sekiro. Sure. But Dark Souls and Bloodborne in Sekiro particular. Sekiro is a minor work in yeah. the franchise. As a Dark Souls yeah. 2 and maybe even 3. Right. But that original Dark Souls in particular, I think is one of the most influential games of the decade. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, also happens to be one of the best. It is one of my favourites mm-hmm. ever, for sure. 
You guys have never really jumped into this series. Or no. No. Nah. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of Nier Automata, <laughs> you have... <laughs> I, I think the influence of Dark Souls, at the very least, even if you haven't played any of them or don't care for them, can be seen across a lot of more recent games. It gets yeah. brought up all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. Especially with like indie stuff. Yeah. It's hugely influenced all of that, which right. I guess we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. yeah. But Dark Souls itself is basically Castlevania. Right. It's a 3D modernized version of that Castlevania type of thing of going through a complex uh, location and having difficult combat. Right. That it 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 is a sequel to that. It didn't invent anything. <laughs> as much as it's been an influential thing, it didn't invent any of this stuff. I, I I think some of the stuff that it did that was new and was influential was like the online stuff, mm. having these little messages everywhere to kind of help you out. Mm-hmm. I think the community that built up around it online was a new thing as well, like on YouTube and shit like that. Yep. People talking about this game and discovering all the hidden shit in this game. As it came out, that was new. Right. And that was a big 2010s thing of like, hey, we've got all this social media. We've got all these ways of interacting now. And here's a game that seems to be designed to take advantage of that because like there's stuff in it where you're probably not going to fucking figure it out on your own. In the way that those old NES games would have. Yep. Where it wanted you to either buy Nintendo Power Mm. type of magazines Mm -hmm. or the fucking strategy guides or call the hotline or talk to your friends about it yeah in real life and this thing that that's way down the bottom of the list for you. <laughs> I, I i called my friends for 2.95 <laughs> and they helped me um but it's so well realized as this new version kind of new ver- it's a it's a twist on a pretty classic genre mm. it's it's a third person kill everything in this environment type game mm-hmm. which is not new but the specific implementation of it where it's like it's unflinching in what it demands of you. Yes. But the demands are pretty much fair. Right. You, it's difficult, but you don't kind of... I mean, you do level up your character during it, but you're more leveling up. I hate that term. <laughs> but you're increasing your ability. You're, you're getting better at this game right. that has such a refined way of being played that you can be expected to become good at it. Right. Because it's 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 well made. It's it's something that if you fuck up, you've fucked up. You don't fall through the fucking ground. Yeah. You don't it, the timing on it is not so shitty that it doesn't really matter if you did it well or not because you know, the game is against you. The game isn't against you. It's just set up in a difficult way that can be overcome. Right. Does that make sense? I remember a huge trend of games just getting easier and easier and easier. Yes. I remember that happening throughout the first part of this decade. Just like literally there being no challenge to games. Yeah. You couldn't lose. It was all about getting you through it. The back half of the 2000s as well. Mm -hmm. It's so much hand-holding, which isn't a term you hear that much anymore. But it was yeah. a big term, especially in like reviews and stuff, was, was hand-holding and mm. like the, the whole game feeling like a long tutorial yep. or just, yeah, no kind of challenge. And this went completely in the other direction to a way that I think really hit with a lot of people who were into those older style of game too, like the NES type of thing. Yep. Yes. It feels like what a modern game would be if the NES had style of game had continued. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? The philosophy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um. And then it's put into this really interesting, weird world with this dumb, strange story in the background. 
uh, that you kind of get by reading the item descriptions of things. Like it's not kind of in cutscenes for mm. the most part. Uh, it looked fucking amazing at the time. It had this connected Metroid-y way of exploring the world or Castlevania-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, but particularly, I th- the thing that people harp on is the difficulty of it, but it's not the difficulty, it's the challenge. Right. And I know that sounds like, you know, picking bones or whatever that fucking term is. What am I looking for? Nitpicking? Nitpicking. Oh, splitting hairs. Yeah. yeah picking pick- bones. <laughs> I got a bone to pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> you got to stop splitting those hairs. The The... It's that it has a defined challenge. Traditional kind of video game should have learned the pattern of this boss. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it just asks you to do it. Right. It doesn't help you. It says, this is your challenge. No looking at your phone. No looking out the window. Right. And distracted. Play the game. Yeah. And you'll be able to play the You've game. You've got all the tools here. You can absolutely do this. It's just on you to make that happen. Mm. Well, like difficulty implies that you could beat it through some manner of fluke. Right, well, exactly. Which yes. challenge yeah. has to be overcome by just getting really good at it. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And my th- a couple of the bosses and shit aren't great in it. And towards the back end, it sort of falls off of that. But the majority of the game, it absolutely is that. It's fair. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, tough. But the, the feeling of satisfaction you get from being better than it yeah. is, is really tangible and then all the other stuff that it did with its visuals and like with the world being connected and with this this unique way of of creating that adventure of like the bonfires and this kind of online stuff and it had these weird things where someone could invade your world and attack you and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it 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 pushed that genre in a different direction to where it was heading, and in a satisfying way for a lot of people, I mm. think. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's a big one. And Bloodborne. Same, same. That whole kind of all of the from yeah. games that are in there. Bloodborne again is all of the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Bloodborne is a refinement of what it's doing and kind of a different take on it. And as is Sekiro, but Sekiro is like uh, kind of weirdly different because it's more like about parrying, which I never really liked. I like to dodge in those ones. Yes, mm-hmm. I love to dodge, and it's a little easier. Well, it's a, I think Bloodborne well, actually, is a little know. easier, maybe. Or they're they're all kind of up the same thing. Because yeah, yeah. I, and when it came, you're exactly right. When Dark Souls came out, it was at that tipping point of people being sick of how easy games were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I really vividly remember that happening. Yeah, and people being like, oh, "Yeah, I I always wanted to like." Or, it's hard to say, like, because it would be young people as well, but people being very much like. This is a real game, almost. Well, because all these mobile games are showing up too, and yeah. and all there was this the casual push. revolution, the Wii, like all of that stuff yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Dark Souls came along. It was like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but you could say fuck you back to it. And it was like you're cool, <laughs> and if you had attitude, you got along with Dark Souls. <laughs> yes. Um, and then yeah, that that because as well at that time you were kind of only getting these kind of big games mm-hmm. that were being put out. Uh, and you didn't have this huge selection of games that were coming out. There's this big, wide array yes. of games being put out by big studios, sure, but mm. also by the little guy, by maybe one person on their own. <laughs> yeah. Well, how would you describe one person? One person? Yeah. As being sort of indivisible <laughs> because there's only one, which yeah. is where the name indie game comes yeah, from. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. That's, that is indie games. <laughs> Yeah, indie games kind of all happened in th- this decade as well. This is the mm. last sort of thing we'll talk about for this part. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure someone would debate us on that. I don't know where you can trace it 
really back to the beginning, but certainly I mean, in like terms all of like for flash games are technically this. Right. Newgrounds is this. In terms of like being on people's radars to the same extent that, you know, you quite often hear as much buzz about an indie game yep. as you do about a major studio release. Yep. Untitled Goose Game being a good example, you know. Some of them are my favorites of all time like The Witness, yeah. which right. Braid, which was Jonathan Blow who made The Witness, mm. uh came out in 2008, I reckon. Mm-hmm. On the th- 360s. Yeah, right. And that was kind of, I remember being the, the early, oh shit, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With when this type that, of thing. When did that movie come out, the indie game documentary? Because I remember watching that. I think that's like 2012 or something like that. 14, maybe. It was yeah. definitely after Fez, because it yeah, focused a lot on Phil right. Fish, who made But Fez, Fez isn't out at the point that the film came out, I don't think. Right. Fez was 2010 or 11. So yeah, right. Well, anyway. Any, who cares? But, but 2012 indie game, the movie came Yeah, right. right. So yeah. it's simmering Bang for on. a little bit before yeah. that. But in terms of like, uh, yeah, they're being uh, like, yeah, I get as excited for a really great indie as I do for a major studio, sometimes more so. And mm. we've again kind of cheated because a lot of the games on the main list <laughs> yes. are like big budgety things. Yeah. And we're going to talk about probably just by name checking yeah. a whole bunch of indie games that have been great. Hollow Knight, for example, talking about Dark Souls. Yeah. yeah. Owes a lot to that. Yep. And is fucking great. Such a great game. So very good. I think it might be <laughs> it might be the best example of a uh indie game and also of a Metroidvania. Like it it kind right. of is, you know, for the success that it's had and the way it gets talked about, um it certainly yeah, it could it was. It's in my personal list yeah. of the decade. Right. Um, it's. It'd be, uh, inside would be in mine and Firewatch as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which is crazy that we're not really talking about them, but these big games also have more cultural, big relevance, I guess, to how yeah. the decade played out. Mm. And a lot of the indie games are sort of interesting, but they're more of a side thing. They're not these like huge, significant things that shape the decade, like a Minecraft. Oh, wait! <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft is a fucking indie game. Yeah. yeah, It's one of the biggest games in the world, and it's an indie game. What's the guy? What's his name? Um, oh, like n- Notch. N- Notch, yes. Who no longer works on the game. And, and is a bad person? Ev- well, yeah, I was yeah. going to say evidently, but I guess evidence is a, maybe not the word <laughs> to you, but it appears to be the case. Right, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it's one person who spearheaded that game. I think there are other people working on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Undertale yes. is one yep. person yes. who made that game and it's... Well, you talk about before uh, with, you know, Nier Automata and the kind of coming out of Japan, the very singular... Coming out of Japan and I'm <laughs> feeling just fine. <laughs> um, the just like one person's vision. That's You get that so much yep. in indie games. Yes. And I think it's very easy to get, I guess, that, you know... It kind of comes out of people maybe getting a bit fatigued on the idea of like a lot of big studio games starting to feel the same and become very, yeah, cookie cutter and mm. you then just get these smaller mm. cookie products. <laughs> cookie clicker. Oh, cookie clicker. Oh, yeah. Um, I was telling someone about that the other day that doesn't play games <laughs> and I you sounded like, insane. Cut to you at a restaurant just like talking to a waiter, be like, get this. The f- like just not <laughs> even someone you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love You're in an elevator. You push the stop button and go, have you guys ever heard of Cookie Clicker? <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, just the the uh, being able to have a game be a bit cheaper as well and yep. not have to be like 50 hours, you know, have that mm. like being able to set a different price point. Um, yeah, not much more to say. But Doki Doki Literature Club, that was an indie game, right? Yeah. And again, it's like, it's a short experience. It doesn't rely on big budget visuals and, and gameplay and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like, here's an idea. 
experience this idea. And we could almost do an entire decade recap on just indie games. Absolutely. There are so fucking many of them that it feels a little unfair to not kind of mention them all. Super Meat Boy. Mm -hmm. But they do occupy a separate space, even now. Yes. Even though they've become something that sits alongside all the kind of, in quotes, bigger games. Well, what happens now quite often too is that like something launches digitally, it gets quite popular and then it's been popular enough to get a physical release and then it is in shops at a fuller price point alongside, you know, studio games. So then the lines kind of really start to get blurred. Mm. And I hope that it's not just me being susceptible to advertising and thinking that these, you know, in quotes, bigger games are more significant because they have a bigger advertising budget behind Mm. them or whatever. But... Indie games and the ease, the relative ease with which you can make them, and then the way that the 360 first, and then like Steam and mm. all that sort of stuff have made them uh, so easily obtainable and and legitimize them by having them be uh, accessible through the same means that you would buy a fucking uh, Grand Theft Auto or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it feels like when you see something that's coming along that kind of appeals to you for whatever reason be it aesthetics or it looks like an interesting game and you get on board early and then you start to see that it's doing really well Mm. and it's like breaking all these records and then it's going to be ported over to this and to that and then it's getting a physical release. It feels good like when you, Mm. you know, when you really feel like you've got that sort of like almost like slight sense of ownership to it where you're like really championing this. It's like easier to be like, fuck yeah, this this like game made by three people is like getting all this coverage and Mm. these like celebs are tweeting about it or whatever it is. You know, no one's going like, fuck yeah, Rockstar made a lot of money on Grand Theft Auto Online. It's like, it's it's a feel-good story when, Mm. like... Untitled Goose Game is getting all this press. Well, it's like it's a, you know like you got a small you know British team of developers making this crazy ambitious game and everyone's getting interested in it. It's getting reported on. People are like, "Wow, this is incredible! How are they even going to be able to do this? This is the most in- incredible game that's ever going to be made." And then it gets picked up by a big studio, and then it gets pushed out, and then they get death threats. And uh, Sean Murray stole my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's the the intersection of indie games and mainstream publishers mm. became a little weird towards the end of the decade. Sure. No Man's Sky was an indie game, hey, yes. I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, what, yeah, I don't know. Was it? What is still? an indie game even at this point? I mm. like. I, I, it would be great if that line got blurred even more. Yeah, but there's still yeah. indie films and there's regular films. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. just the amount of production budget that something has... Mm. It influences the scale of it yes. and influences what they're able to do with it in the same way that it is for movies and for anything, yep. for buildings, for fucking anything. It is for games still. And they do, in my head, occupy a separate space for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. But it's been fucking awesome and some of the best games of the last decade have come out because the barrier to entry for making a game is lower than it's ever been. Mm. And it's nice. Sometimes stuff just kind of syncs up perfectly where you've just played a big, massive game that's taken you like close to 100 hours or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And then the next thing that comes along is this like equally great but very way more easily digestible, yeah. knock it out in a few hours, little experience. Like I really like the way that sometimes like the year just – the way that w- works out is like dotted with these little kind of palate cleansers yeah. throughout the year. Yeah. yeah. You guys loved Firewatch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Again, sh- a shame <laughs> what a big studio has done to uh-huh. <laughs> that. But yeah, Firewatch is a great one because, like, talk about a, a, a strong and unified aesthetic. Like, it was, mm. they hired this guy, this artist who I also already knew about 
to do their aesthetic. It's yeah. just like that kind of thing doesn't seem to happen outside of indie games. They they are cool. I love Hollow Knight. I love The Witness. There's a bunch of others that I love. I yeah. don't know what it is that keeps them separate from me. I feel a bit bad about it, <laughs> right. really, because I think it's my fault. <laughs> but uh, there's an enormous number of good, like uh, ones that I didn't get so into, but like Dead Cells. Sure, yeah. Uh, 100,000 other Dark Souls type. type Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a million. There's yeah. literally a million. Yeah. We we could do a whole separate thing on them, and I don't know if we will, but it's just it's worth shouting out that we understand that we are not necessarily <laughs> addressing the indie elephant in the room. Yes. yes. Um, but we just did. So are you happy now, elephant? Yeah, you can't get us. You can't get us on a technicality. Well, we'd better wrap up this part of uh, <laughs> yep. our best of the decade. Guys, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this part. We'll be back next week with part two. Uh, you can get onto filthycasuals.com to find links to our premium Bandcamp episodes and also to our Patreon. And, uh, you know, we're really working our little rings off these last few days. So oh, yeah. if you feel like chucking us a few shekels Please. for some bonus content, it would be greatly appreciated. Yes. Um, Until Dawn playthrough is still going yep, up. Yep, yep. On the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And as we say here at the end of every episode of Filthy Casuals, Either you delete this podcast or nobody else can listen to it. I'm doing the end of Near Automata, but at the end of this one. You de- if you delete it from your phone, I'll let other people... It-, it will never work. We don't Just want you to do that. No, I'm going to delete it from... I'm hacking you right now, everyone listening. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.